Hey there, my name is Vosh. I live stream on YouTube and sometimes, accidentally, in spite of myself, something funny or interesting happens. This is Previously Live. Yo. Is my voice all good? Like a lot. Uh, it's kind of muffled and quiet. Is there any way you can get closer to your mic? Um, is this any better? That is a little better. Here, I can turn you up on my end. Say something. Um, something. Uh, what, uh, what mic are you using? Integrated laptop mic? Uh, phone? Honestly, just a random headphone mic. Like, I have a better mic, but that would take longer to get set up, and like I can't really hear as well, you know, if I do that. Okay, I th I think you, I, yeah, okay, I think you sound good enough as long as you keep the mic at a steady distance from your mouth. All right, what's up? All right, so I just want to start off by saying, you know, I believe in lib unity. You know, I'm not like, I'm not like an ideologue. I I respect a lot of leftists, you know, I I like your content and whatnot, but mm -hmm. I don't want to go off like too much like jerking off or whatever. But I, I was just wondering, what are your thoughts on anarcho-capitalism, like as of now? What do you think about it? I know it's kind of an open-ended question, but... I mean, it, it sounds kind of mutually exclusive because anarchy is largely about destabilizing or, like, deconstructing power relations, and capitalism is about giving people the tools to lord over one another economically. It seems pretty... It seems pretty mutually exclusive. I don't really know. Every I've never had a conversation with an ANCAP or even a right libertarian that didn't end in them not being able to explain how the fuck their system would work in the real world. Okay, that's fair. I mean, I can understand that. But like, honestly, I guess it comes down to how we define capitalism, because, you know, I, I know, like, I know, like, generally, a lot of people would consider capitalism to be private ownership of the means of production. But I find the biggest problem with this is like, what exactly does private mean, right? I mean, in the context of a state, like we're talking about like minarchism, right? We're going to have a state and like public ownership means whatever the state owns, and private ownerships, whatever, let's say, like I as an individual, you know, I own, but like, or not personal possessions, but like for, you know, commercial use or whatnot. But when there's no state, I mean, like everything pretty much has to be private property, right? And like, that's the biggest contention I have. Because like, otherwise, what it, exactly is public property? I mean, it could be collectively owned by the people in that society, no? Yeah, sure. I mean, I don't, I don't mind that. Like, I think that's just fine. But the biggest problem is if a state comes in and intervenes and says, okay, you have to give this much of a portion of your land to each individual in your land. I mean, at that point, then that's that's the state. If the state has the authority to say that, that means they have to have some control over the land, right? Well, you can like, have a government without have... you can have a government without a state. Just because you don't have a state doesn't mean you can't have agencies or or communal bodies whose job it is to make sure that resources are equitably distributed, right? I mean, wait. I mean, in the way I'm using state and government, I'm kind of using them interchangeably. But I see you draw a distinction there. So, what what exactly would you say is a government versus a state? It depends on how pretentious the anarchist you're asking is. But I understand that the state involves like uh, things like borders and specific geopolitical jurisdiction and imperialism and uh, like direct autocratic control of like um, the. Um, uh, 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 sorry, the uh, legitimacy of violence, whereas a government literally just means any kind of human organization. Technically, a family is a government structure. I mean, when you have, like, the parents oh. who give rules to the children, that's a kind of, like, miniature governance. So that system, government isn't going to go anywhere. That's integral to human social behavior. It's the state that we want to get rid of. If you want to get rid of the state, that's fine and dandy, but I posit that there would still be organizations that would allow for the equitable distribution of resources. 
Um, wait, but like that seems like a hyper specific definition of a state. I mean, it's an anarchist I mean, like, definition. Yeah. Over... Okay, I mean, I suppose. But the biggest thing is that I don't have a problem with the existence of government. Like, if if a family can count, of course, I'm not going to ban families, right? But like, when I mean when I'm talking about government, I generally mean like a a governing body over an like an illegitimate authority over a certain chunk of land, right? Like, um, that basically what you said, right? It, it imposes uh laws on the people it has the has a sole authority to buy or sort uh sole monopoly on violence and whatnot and borders and so i guess i i thought of the government as what you would think about the state but i mean in that sense okay fine well right so like well i have to ask you what would your society look like ideally sure i mean honestly like i in the modern day it's it's a little bit tricky because after industrialization you know shit changed so much right like i would look at the native americas you know I, I would look at that as an ANCAP society because, you know, there's no existence of a state. And of course, like the belief of what land ownership meant was a little bit, you know, that was a cultural thing there, but otherwise like land was quote unquote owned privately, right? And it was operated on by the community and people who live in it. But it wasn't, there wasn't a governing entity that like mandated that people, each member of an, you know, of a tribe received this much a portion of equity in the whatever, right? Like there was not, there's no well, they, structure like that. Well, they, they, I mean, they, they absolutely did though. Yeah. Native communities absolutely did have systems by which they would ensure the equitable, if not equitable at the very least, then the uh, reasonable distribution of resources. They had governments The yeah, sure. right. The native council, I think that when the, the existed yeah. before we ravaged the continent with plague was like one of the most sophisticated governmental organizations of its time anywhere in the world. Uh, people didn't own land. That's true. And that was, uh, I guess it, it different way they viewed things socially, but they certainly weren't capitalists. The concept of capital didn't exist. If anything, they were more primitive communist, where they were able to achieve the underlying social principles of communism pre-industrialization. I mean, not necessarily. I'm sure there was a good level of trade and, you know, and other forms of in interchange, right? Capitalism doesn't necessarily require like a full monetary system. Like for instance, you could talk about, um, like a, I suppose like you could have a capitalistic barter economy this is where individuals own land. They use whatever resources they have. And like they, you know, individuals decide how much something, how much something should be valued, right? Well, I think like, you're, or just, like you can you're describing that. trade and barter, not capitalism. Like trade and barter were, have been around for as long as humans have been able to communicate with one another, right? But capitalism is a pretty modern economic system. Okay, so like oh. in that sense, like I generally just talk about capitalism as private ownership of land. That's probably the biggest criteria I have because I don't necessarily see the necessity of a full-fledged monetary system, right? Or like money printing or any so of that. So your definition of, wait, but if your definition of capitalism is private ownership of land, then how could the natives have been capitalist if they didn't believe in the ownership of land? I mean, but, but when I say ownership, I don't necessarily think you need to believe you're owning land. I, I just believe when you occupy a piece of land and you use it for commercial use, that's technically you owning the land. So they, like for instance, they in, didn't have commercial uses in native communities. Oh, by commercial use, like they were, they were using, they were harvesting resources off of the land and using that for their own use, right? You don't necessarily have to use the land to, you know, so create to you, a so company or something like you, that. But. So to you, capitalism is when land is owned but not owned but used for commercial use but commercial use just means when you're using so capitalism is when people use land feel i feel like we're we're, no, we're I, engaging I in a degree of reductivism here where every human society to have okay. ever existed as capitalist you know 
Okay, that's fair. I, let me let me try to like a better definition. I'd say because I'm honestly more of an anarchist than I am a capitalist. The biggest reason I say I'm ancap and not ancom is in order to be an ancom, you need to enforce your will upon like everyone in the society, right? That, that's the biggest contention I have. So I guess I'm not so much of an ancap as I am against anarcho-communism, but I'm still an anarchist. Wouldn't an anarcho-capitalist society like degrade into neo-feudalism without a state to regulate corporations? It seems like they would essentially turn into little private warlords. I mean, not even to speak of defenses of anarcho-communism, but anarcho-capitalism is definitely not a system free of coercion. Well, yeah, I mean, I'll acknowledge that there's a degree of coercion, but like, in that sense, like, an ANCOM can still fit under an ANCAP society, right? Like, a group of people could form a commune and voluntarily participate in it, and that would, sure, that, that part would be an ANCOM society, but the thing is, you're not, you're not forcing everyone everywhere to participate in a commune, right? If someone, if I want to go off and I want to, you know, take a chunk of land around me and I want to use that to provide, you know, to produce goods. And what, what if, what if a corporation wants to it, take that land? If a corporation wants to take that land, then at that point it just comes down to, con there's, there's going to be conflict, right? But like, so who's going to win that conflict? The megacorp that owns the entire Eastern seaboard or an ANCOM commune? And at that point, probably the corporation. I mean, I guess it depends right, so on the So why would they ever let there like, any be any collectively owned land anywhere on the planet? Okay, but what's the alternative, right? Because like what you're saying could, like you're just saying, you're bringing hypotheticals, but how can an ant community sustain if like, suppose there's like a capitalist revolution that just destroys entire community? Oh, how will it, like that's, you know, like I can bring up a hypothetical and say that. What, okay, is, a, what is a capitalist revolution? I mean, a, a revolution against the commune, like to destroy the entire concept of, you, you mean, commune, so right? the whole world is like a narco-communist, which doesn't mean the whole world is in a commune, by the way. Just, a, a commune isn't like the only form of social organization in a communist society. So what would a capitalist revolution be like? Like, what, what would that mean? Like, where's the power and impetus coming from? What's the public will? I mean, I suppose like the biggest thing is people refuse to participate in the system, right? Like, for instance, I mean, whatever, uh, like, uh, let's say... Um, institutions that are in place require participation from the community as a whole right under communism because otherwise what you're left with is individuals owning production which essentially boils down to some form of a capitalistic system right, I mean, right but like, what, what would, so like a monarchist like a monarchist coup would be like you have a royal bloodline and they assemble an army and they like attack because the army believes in the divine right of that leader to rule or whatever okay sure right so like with a capitalist revolution in a communist society, what like who would participate in this? Like, why would a like a common worker who collectively owns the means of production, who participates in the communal system, why would they think, yes, life would be better off if I had less economic power? I worked for wages for another person who had more power over me. For oh, it, probably for fewer wages around. because they need to get my surplus labor. I think it's the opposite way around. They wouldn't want to reduce themselves down to a worker. They want to own the means of production, right? They probably want to control other people around them. I mean, I think that's generally how humans have operated, like all of history, right? So trying to gain power over other people. It would like, be like I just don't see how people voluntarily cooperate in the system where they're reduced down to a member of a company. But so it would be like an army of like a million people who all think they're going to be the CEO afterwards. I mean, it's going to be decentralized, right? Like the biggest thing is like com communism requires willingness to participate even though ancom kind of necessitates that everyone somehow participates like i just what don't do you see, mean, like, what do you mean by participate i mean be a part of the society and participate in the production of goods right you have to like, in cap if you don't in capitalism you starve
in a capitalist society, you have to participate in society as well, because if you don't, you starve. You, you need to, to earn the wage that is necessary to live, right? Um, not necessarily. Like for, I mean, I don't have to participate in another person's business, right? I could go off and I could find some way to capital. Like I could see some resource and say, okay, I could you know, land labor, capital, whatnot. Maybe like, I could produce my own labor. However, it is like I don't. I'm not forced. Wait, you're de but you're describing you're describing communism right now. Capitalism streamlines our economy in such a way that the diversification of labor requires that most people work very alienating jobs. The vast majority of people under capitalism aren't going to make their living carving chairs out of tree wood. But under communism, because the means of production are communalized, there's more time and opportunity for people to pursue those creative crafts if they choose to. The difference is that because people don't need a wage to survive, even if you chose not to participate, you wouldn't die. Whereas under capitalism, 99.9% .9 of people who quit their job to go make a living off of underwater basket weaving end up having to go back to a job uh, now poorer off than they were before because the economy doesn't reward that kind of diversification. Yo. All right. Hello. Um, now am I a little bit better? Yes, you sound like... better. Hello? Hello. Okay. Yes, you sound better. Am I... Now you're cutting off a little bit. Okay, well, oh, I, my. I, pro I promise you I have bits to spare, so I, I, it's probably something on your end. Yeah, te technical issues are the worst. Okay. Um, so, basically, I think the biggest misunderstanding is what exactly like, our societies look like. I think, I think if, we're, if we're trying to attach yourself to a specific label and say, okay, capitalism has to be this ideology, and that train of thought to say, therefore, this is my position, we end up with a completely different position from what my original take is, right? Mm -hmm. I'm just against the existence of a state, and I believe that people should voluntarily be able to associate how they want to, right? Sure, but and I what, believe what does voluntary association mean to you? Essentially, it means no, co no coercion by a specific state. Right, and I think implicit coercion is bound to happen, but I just don't see how an ANCOM society will fix that. Or, or sorry, how complete anarcho-communism will fix that, right? The existence of an ANCOM, a, a commune, or like a group of people who want to form an ANCOM society on their own, that's one thing. But like, if the entire world were ANCOM, and there are people who don't want to associate with that, then they're being coerced into that. What, but what so, do you, wait, what does it mean to not want to associate with ANCOM? I mean, you don't want to participate in a commune, right? You want to form wait, your not, own wait, capitalistic wait, wait. utopia. We have like 7 billion people on Earth. ANCOM doesn't mean that everybody's going to live in a commune. Like, it doesn't mean that everybody's going to live in like a large flat with four or five or whatever people where they all share in doing the dishes. Like, you... Oh, I mean, you, I, oh, that's you, not what I mean with commune, but okay. But like, yeah, but you, you can be in an ANCOM society and live in a downtown flat or live in a ranch farmhouse somewhere out in the fucking boonies if you want to. It, it, it's it's not about where people live. It's about the economic and political organization that dictate the broader elements of how society functions. What I mean is everyone, I don't think everyone needs to live in the same, like, and, okay, I want to describe it to me what exactly an income, like an income world would look like. Because if you had maybe one society that, that you know, operate like a commune, but the rest of the world believe in capitalism, then you still have a conflict of interest, right? Well, I don't like, think I that. Don't see... I don't think communism can be achieved non-globally. I think that's a transition that would need to take place globally. Okay, so your argument is that 
anarcho-communism necessitates that the entire world is anarcho-communist, right? Because if there are certain people who don't want to participate in that anarcho-communistic system, then they're being forced into doing so. Because otherwise, if not everyone, well, not the can, whole world, you can make this then... argument about not wanting to participate in a system in any system. No matter what global system you have, there are always going to be people who don't want to participate in it, but have no choice but to. Oh my God, I'm sorry. I clicked on a fucking TikTok video. My bad. Um, that's always going to be the case, no matter what system, no matter how ethical or unethical. So the argument that some people wouldn't want to live in an ANCOM society isn't like, that's not really salient. That could be applied to literally any global government. The argument that I would make is that anarcho-communism, if that were to be the system that I would defend, which I guess it probably would be, is a system which people would, generally speaking, like quite a bit more to the alternatives that capitalism is unethical and that anarcho-communism gives people more freedom and more personal choice than they would have otherwise. Okay, I mean, I think I can, I can get behind that. Like, I understand, you know, I support co-ops. I support, people. you know, I support, like, market socialism to an extent, and I support all of those things. I just believe that people should voluntarily do so, right? I, because I just otherwise believe that what you're left with is either a system that's not anarcho-communism or it's a system in which everyone is forced to be an anarcho- I don't know. Okay, I, so I wait, say, say you have this, a capitalist but... country. So say you have a capitalist nation. How within that nation could you form an ANCOM society? I'm, I'm kind of confused at what you're getting at because I don't so you're, believe well, in you're the, saying that there's in more implicit. You're saying there's more implicit coercion in an ANCOM society because ANCOM societies won't allow capitalist societies to form, but a capitalist society would allow an ANCOM society to form. So I have to ask yeah, you, how could any ANCOM society form under capitalism? No, my argument isn't that capitalism should be around the world. I'm just saying I'm against the idea of ANCOM because what I mean by ANCAP is the lack of a state and people voluntarily free associating, right? So if you don't, if if the whole, so like, okay, I'm trying to phrase this in a- Anarcho-communism co certainly but, doesn't have a state. Yeah, but anarcho-communism, in an, if you're talking about communism, you yourself said that it has to happen on a global level, meaning that, you know, around the world, all societies have to be anarcho-communist, right? Otherwise, it's not anarcho-communism. Well, Is that, I think anarcho-communism could exist, like, non-globally, but I think it would be unsustainable. The conflict between um, capitalist and non-capitalist societies would be counterproductive to the aims of both. I think it would be better to have a global socialist society than gradually transitions into a stateless, classless one over time. Okay, so you're, what you're implying is that the whole world has to be under an anarcho-communist system in order for anarcho-communism to even be possible. So if you don't, uh, if yeah, so long, certain yeah, people long -term, don't want yes, to participate. Exactly. So there are certain people who don't want to be in an anarcho-communist society and they want to form their own capitalistic society. Then anarcho-communism doesn't allow for that because Why under wouldn't? your own. Under your own premise, you say that if not if the entire world isn't anarcho-communist, then it anarcho-communism isn't sustainable yeah, at all. Right, right so now we I have the, right now we have this with capitalism. Society, right now, no, in a because, on a capital wait, 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 where pivoting, in the world pivoting. today can you form a communist society without no, I, okay, being I'm, destroyed I'm by about, capitalism? Bosh, you're pivoting right now. You're pivoting because we're. T I was talking about your specific claim that the entire world has to be anarcho-communist in order for anarcho-communism right to be sustainable. Right now, the whole world is capitalist. But that implies. I'm not talking about right now. I'm talking no, about... No, wait, so, the, so the issue utopias. is the thing you're describing also applies to capitalism. I, what, I'm, I'm confused at what you're getting at because I was talking about our utopias, right? Okay. Like we're not talking so about... You're, so day. you're saying that, and, that, let's just say communist, that a communist society 
ha there's a problem because in it people can't voluntarily decide to form a capitalist society which to me sounds like saying uh democracies are bad because you can't voluntarily form a feudalist society within them but whatever um but right now today in a global capitalist system you can't just spontaneously form a communist country either or a communist society so yeah, I mean, I that think criticism that, applies to both capitalism and okay. the communism neither system will allow for iterations of its opposite to form within their borders but you're, the capitalism you're referring to is modern-day capitalism, which the only reason that is is because there's a state that enforces that, right? But like, if, if we got... Because think about it. Why can't I form an income society? So wait. No, well, hold on. So wait. I want to follow you in this train of logic. So say we got rid of modern flawed capitalism and we had stateless anarcho-capitalism the world over. How would anyone okay. form a communist society? They find a chunk of land that isn't already being occupied, and what then, chunk of, you know, find people. What chunk like, of land would already who, be owned? I mean, like, land that isn't currently being owned, right? I land mean, like, is you're, all you're, land on Earth. Because you're, you're taking a hypothetical scenario, and then you're asking specifics no, about that. Well, no, 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 no. This is, these are very things. simple questions. So right now, all usable land on Earth is already owned. The only land on Earth that is not currently owned by some entity already are probably chunks of Antarctica. Uh, and there are like uh, transnational treaties which dictate how that land is split up. You also okay, have asteroids and by? other celestial bodies. So on Earth, how are you ever just going to find a chunk of land that isn't already owned? Like, why would there okay, be unowned I mean, land? Okay, another way to go about it is like, suppose you see, you see people who who occupy a certain area and then you know you want to convince the lead, like whoever owns that area that you want to form it to income society or let's say like you find why would I mean, a business this, owner ever be okay, persuaded like, by I, that i don't think this criticism is unique to cap to to anarcho-capitalism because like under an income society how would like no but i okay, but i have to okay, ask I'm, you that I'm so because your wait because okay. your system is equally incapable of accepting its alternative how, why would a business owner ever just go like, yeah, I cede all this territory so you can have a, f a free commune on it? Like, why would that ever happen? I mean, the sense of like, if, if certain people occupy land, believe they're being treated unjustly, they can have a revolution against whoever's in charge of the land. Wait. Because there's no state to stop that from happening, right? Wait, I wait, mean, wait, like... wait. So you said, you said uh, that, um, you said that it's bad in ANCOM societies because they won't allow capitalist societies to form. But now you're saying that in order to form a communist society under an ANCAP society, they would need a revolution. Isn't that the exact same thing? Like you're saying we would need to use violence to secure territory. How is that okay, any so different? Okay, so I want to ask you how, would you, how would you form an ANCOM society to begin with? Well, because you would, like, you would need like a global need a socialist society that would like sort of collectively set in motion systems that would begin to fade away the borders and decommodify because... the remnants of the economy. Because to move from the status quo to another society, you require you require the change, right? Which oftentimes comes to revolution. So, like, I just don't understand how your critique is unique to anarcho-capitalism. Because well, under no, an wait, it's, society, wait, it's, if it's I wanted not, to form, wait, it, the only critique that I'm challenging right now is you said that ANCOM societies were coercive because they don't allow for capitalism. I think the capitalist societies don't allow for communist societies. So in this case, your system, anarcho-capitalism, is equally coercive in the respect that it doesn't allow for antagonistic systems to form within it. Not necessarily, because here's the thing. Then how could you form you an income society in a capitalist? You, can, an you can't form a complete, 
under your definition, you can't. We can't form an income society because your definition of income society requires the entire world to be an income. No, 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 no. You system, could no, no. Right? I, I think that I, the I only way a sustainable income society could exist is if it's the entire world. If we want to talk about like a small pocket, and I think the same about capitalism, by the way. If you want to talk about a small pocket, how could you form a pocket of anarcho-communism within an ANCAP society? Well, in an ANCAP society, like, if you're making the assumption that, like, every single part of every single part of land has to be owned by some, you know, No, like, how, how could you get but, anything, like, anything at all? How could you get any territory upon which to build an anarcho-communist society? Well, I mean, let's say we do live in an, in ANCAPistan, right? I mean, think about, like, the Native Americas. How did the tribes find their area to live and you know they weren't but they weren't capitalists they were primitive communists they didn't even have businesses the way we understand them in an ancap society but, like the world would be owned and split up by megacorps like we know that would happen how would any group of people be able to achieve an ancom society i mean in the sense of like when you find an open chunk of land you you for, you get a group of people who are willing to participate in that. What right? open I, chunk I like of you're, land? Because what, what land wouldn't be owned right now in you're putting America? On the premise, all you're land is on a premise that monopoly, like the entire world, would be monopolized but, already. This isn't under this, society, this but isn't, that wait, doesn't what, necessarily happen. This isn't the 1500s. There aren't open chunks of land anymore. Like wait, so I, I want to go back to like because one of your premises. I want to talk about your premise here that. The, all land will be owned by some monopolizing entity. Right, right now, all land on Earth is owned already. It's that's already happened. But that's I argue that's because of a state, because state allows for monopolies to continue. What happens if we remove the state? Well, how do monopolies be formed? Where would there be open land in a world where everything is anarcho-capitalist? Like, what chunk of usable land wouldn't be instantly homesteaded by a corporation? But how can a corporation just homestead a bunch of land and not use it for anything and keep on their monopoly? That's how does because that they, work, are, right? they already because, do like, that, and they do it by hiring guards. Okay, but even then, people who feel that's unjust can, you know, fight the guards and take back the land, right? Yeah, just there's no one, just there's war no against them. them from doing wait, 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 wait. So your solution is everyone just fight and die all the time to like over petty well, land disputes? Not all the time, because I don't believe because your pre your argument requires the premise that all land is occupied in the first place. The, the idea if, that if there, there would be there open no state, usable right? land in a in any society is delusional. People... That's not happening. The land's owned already. Everything so you're, is owned. you're making the premise. You're making the assumption that someone had to have gotten the land and been able to sustain that for so long in order for there to be all land is already all owned. But, but how would someone acquire a piece of land in the first place, right? If if I try without to go a and state, take someone there's else's no land, such thing as just like just territory. You just secure it. The state is what not protects private. Someone, well, okay, what really, what determines what, what who owns a piece of land? What determines that? Whoever can get their hands on whoever has more power. Okay, like, so here's what, the thing: if so, if, some, if an individual is keeping, you know, is hoarding a huge chunk of land, then oftentimes others are just going to come and take them out of power, right? Or the, yeah, like you're describing can, you're describing feudalism. You're describing like like chaos and death over land feuds, where different corporations hire thousands of poor people to fight wars on borders for them, but so the they thing, can define the corporate territory. This is your utopia. Not really. My utopia is where everyone has an individual area of land where no one else treads on it, right? Like, if, if I want to protect my chunk of land and someone tries to steal what, it, what I they, could fight fight to keep keep my territory. But what's the incentive? What if it's a you're corporation? Assuming that, you're assuming that everyone is 
perpetually motivated to get as much land as possible. Yeah, like, well, yeah, yes, capitalism is literally predicated on an assumption of perpetual growth. Why would a corporation not just take your land? They've been doing this for centuries. You're using a definition. My, I'm not saying that, like, how, how would that why I want to go and conquer every single piece of land in the world? So, so you're, wait, your society's survival is predicated on the hope that vastly more powerful entities than you will just accept having less rather than conquering well, more how, how in stark defiance of all of human history. Wait, wait, wait. How, how do people become vastly more powerful? That's my question. Because let's go back to your analogy. Because I feel wait, like no, this I is need, No, no, I need you to answer thing. these questions. So your system okay. to, to prevent... The way people become more powerful is by taking things. Back in primitive accumulation days, the way the Western powers were able to grow so strong is because we used a combination of military might and like um, mercantilist corporations to rape the rest of the planet. All of human history has been about people with power without restrictions taking everything they can. There has never been an empire that just decided, eh, we're big enough. That doesn't happen. It doesn't happen. So why well, would corporations... Why would corporations okay. not just eat up your house? Like, why wouldn't they just eat up all the territory okay, they what could? Would, what would they do with my house? Like, how would they keep being able to get more and more and more houses, right? How would they get that Th They value? could bulldoze Who, it. They and, to... Wait, they could wait. They could put a shop, a shop okay, up but, there. But, but, they could bulldoze it and uh, replace it with something more profitable. Or they could cut it in half and um, for, for twice the price and half the land, they could um, turn it into a, uh, a corporate town and they could use your house to... Um, uh, to house the employees at their local factory. Wait, well, what happens when they can no longer keep buying these things? Because this money relies on others voluntarily giving the money to do that, right? They, they have to be selling some product or they have to be doing some service in exchange for some wealth. Yeah, they, yeah, they turn your the house, place, they right? turn it into an efficient unit of economic production, and then they sell it back to other people well, who wait, have already How do they have conquered. the money to buy my house in the first place, right? You're assuming that people can just continuously keep getting wealth. But if I'm greedy and I keep you know, fucking with other people's territory, then no one's going to want to buy stuff from me anymore, right? Because Wait, no, cause, come on. Wait, you really think... Wait, you think people will boycott corporations in an ANCAP society? What if the corporation owns the territory you live on? What, you're just going to not buy water? They'll shut off the water to your house, my dude. What if you, what if you live on, like, you realize most, like, Americans rent, right? Like, if your territory is already owned by a corporation, if you speak out against them, they'll just shut off your water. That can be part of the preconditions in the um in the tenancy lease that you signed. It's not like there's a state to review these uh contracts after all. Like if you boycott them, they just shut off your water. They'll kick you out. There are other people who need that house. I mean, so your argument is that like they're going to come to my house and basically take me out or take my water, but there's yeah, going to be they? water in other areas, right? It, like it rains all the time. They're going to be well, like you're, creeks. You're going to drink gonna other, rainwater. Like, well, I mean, there's always going to be water somewhere, right? Like in the sense of sure, like, okay, then you the, can the, be kicked out, and you can go live in the forest, and you can drink rainwater off the fronds of big plants. What about like how does that affect the corporation? Another person has already moved into but your here's apartment. The thing, who's going to vault? Well, here's the thing: the, your your argument is that the corporation is going to keep being able to get more and more people to buy their water. But if there's other sources of water, then that monopoly where, doesn't where last do you think for water comes from? Water, we, the water we drink comes from, uh, from, from reservoirs and from lakes that are privately owned. Where else are you going to get water from? Do you think the whole world is just going to drink rainwater? Well, because by the time that other, like, enough people stop buying into the corporation's bullshit, they're going, what do you mean? the corporation's you not going to be able to You live on the corporation's stand, right? property. The police officers in your area are employed by the corporation. Your food is branded by the corporation. What, what are you going to do to rebel against them?
There's no other authority to appeal to. I mean, you just move out of their territory, right? What, and what, what, if, what if they just shoot you for trying to move out? People. What, if they, what if they do some fucking Berlin Wall shit? And it's like, hey, you want to leave our territory? Fuck you. You were born here. This is where you are. Wh I mean, who's at to that stop point, them? we're no longer under ANCAP because that essentially becomes a government or a state, right? Yeah, that's the point. States are inevitable unless you form decommodified systems that can replace them. Corporations will just form feudal states. Like, what would prevent them from doing that? Why wouldn't they? It's the soundest and most stable, like, way of developing your power. All power but relations power trend towards from... equilibrium. The equilibrium for, a feud for the society you describe is feudalism. That's why humanity lived under feudalism for thousands of years. It's a stable system. You have complete autocracy with decentralized ownership collected in the hands of the aristocracy or a managerial okay, board. I mean, I guess that's fair. Like, but I just want to know how ANCOM is sustainable too, right? Because I'm not because I I can be convinced, but I just want to understand what happens when people stop wanting to, you know, be a part of the commune. What happens? When what does people it mean to be a part of the commune? Like, like, what are they you, missing you, out you're on? You're talking about how. So, like in the in earlier in the call, you were talking about how each worker would be incentivized to collectively own a share in whatever you know. Um, well, they would own, they would make democratic decisions about whatever economic system they were a part of. Yeah. So if they worked at a factory, they would make democratic decisions about what they produced and what to do with that production. If they lived at a coffee or worked at a coffee shop, they'd do work there. I mean, yeah, was, you know. Okay, sure. But what happened, like, what does that mean? Everyone in the corp, in the business or whatever entity there is has equal amount of power or are some people going to have more of a say, right? Cause like, if we're trying to make a decision about what's the most economically sound thing to do, and I'm an economist or I'm, I'm a mathematician and no one else is like, why should everyone else's voice have the same you know, amount of credibility as mine? Right? Well, it wouldn't. Like, I mean, it's democracy doesn't mean all voices get equal credence. If the, if the democratic decision is where should we direct our water supply? I don't think, for example, that like the, the five uh, engineering workers should get equal weight to like the city planner. Obviously, like management has to be stratified in such a way that people have responsibility over different jobs. But we have that today. America is a democracy. It's a very fucked up one, but it is a democracy. And in America, we don't referendum every single issue where every single thing is done on first past the post, you know. But what's, some what's happening are, is you're... Oh, sorry. We delegate some issues to experts, which is probably good. I don't know if people can handle voting on hyper-complicated trade policy. I'm not entirely sure if that would be... I'm not sure if that would be a good way of, like, fixing social problems. Not every person can putting, be an expert. But isn't that the entire point that like Ancom is trying to go against the idea of like centralized power in the hands of a few? So I mean, well, what you're doing is you're giving it to the few people who are going to make the decisions, right? Like in the sense of like, there's just someone in charge of like making the final on a, orchestrating on the decision. On appropriate you know issues, I mean? it's fine. I'm okay with medical decisions being made by medical experts. I'm okay with like, like climate change related issues being deferred to climatology experts. Like, there's a big difference between power consolidated in the way that like an autocracy does and power consolidated in the hands of experts who are specialized in the specific subject that's being discussed. Like that's a really big difference. You know, the hierarchy of expertise is a valid hierarchy. What else is the point of knowing more? Yeah, true. I mean, but I, I guess the biggest contention I see is how is it that sustainable in the long run, right? Who's going to stop me from maybe dominating my workers or taking, how would you dominate you know, them? Like, let's say there's, I'm trying to think of like 
specifically how an income society would even look, right? Well, how, what would the institutions look like? How would, who would be in charge of keeping it together, right? Like, unless there's some sort of a state or some sort of a governing entity, who's well, there going would to- would be a governing entity. Co what's the cohesive- Co Cooperative what's ownership. What's the cohesive force? Cooperative uh, ownership is a government. Let's, let's say it's anarcho-syndicalist society. You have an overlapping collection of essentially mega unions that are democratically voted on with straining tiers of participation in workers' councils, and collectively they kind of decide all the major things in society. They do it through stratified liquid democracy, and it's a system by which we figure out most of the major problems in society without any kind of central authority. You know, you have like a syndicate that's tasked to like um, social organization and you have a syndicate mm -hmm. that's tasked towards like uh, uh, material production and distribution and so on and so forth. Like say that, how, okay. how, how, how would you, how would you, and why would you revolt against this? I mean, I guess that's, I, I, I would personally like that, but like so, suppose someone else was greedy and they wanted more than just to be a part of maybe like one syndicate, right? But what they would they to do? Own a syndicate. They want to own two syndicates. Well, nobody I would mean, own it. I mean, they would just be a part. They they would they would be like a voter in both in one or both of them. But like, what do you mean? Like, what would they do? Like, how would they do that? How would they achieve that power? I guess if everyone else in the society is convinced, and if I was the only one who wanted to do that, then I guess everyone else could stop me. But. Like, let's say, like, but everyone still needs to be willing to participate in the system, right? If you look at it on a systemic level, everyone needs to vote to make, vote in these decision-making process. Everyone needs to cooperate, right? Do, do you get where I'm coming from here? Like, sure, like everyone but in needs a capitalism, a everyone has to work. I mean, that's, all systems require some degree of, like, coercive cooperation. Obviously, we can't have a society where people have absolutely no like degree of levied engagement with the world they live in. But how how would you how how would you get people to revolt? Like, I mean, what like, would the motivation be? Like, what are they lacking? I guess if the society does work out well, I'm fine with it. I mean, I I guess the biggest contention I had is people being forced into just voting in a syndicate or like not being able to own their own land. But I see how like it, it could be a problematic the other way around. Well, they could, I mean, they can uh -huh. abstain from voting. I, I'm, I'm not suggesting like, com like complicit voting or anything like, mm -hmm. but if they're, if they're a good member of their like local syndicate or of their union or whatever, then they probably should be participating. If they don't want to, they don't have to, I guess. But... So there, there's, I, I'm guessing you're in favor of a market system, right? Where you, I thought you were more of a mutualist or are you, I think, I'm just wondering where you stand. Just I, like... I think there are some elements of society where market economies are ethical and functional and that the market, markets like market economy is just seems to be like a fact of the universe. Supply and demand just seems to be a fact of the universe. The best thing that we can do is stratify society to make sure that our market systems are as ethical and as functional as possible, which that I think I is totally understand. possible. Yeah. I mean, I, I, then once again, I said I'm pro co-op and pro all that. Right, right. I mean, but, I, but again, like my, my issue is that in a in a in a in a society that's truly democratized, like a communist one, what would the impetus be for a revolution? Like, what would you be trying to take that you could get? There isn't like a power structure for you to seize. Everything is democratized. You can't accumulate wealth and use power that way. The only thing you could really do is like democratically convince thousands of other people that you would be better as a supreme leader or yeah, something. That's fair. Yeah, but, but like that's a, okay. I mean, that's a pretty hard sell, you know? Like On the vote me in, that, I'll, I'll so, take control. So, so Vosh, here's the, here's the deal, right? On the premise that 
we we already somehow established a society this way, I think it would be pretty stable. But how do we get there, right? Like, I mean, Marxism relies on a centralized, um, like, state, worker state in order to get there. But that would mean, you know, centralized power in the hands of a few, which would lead to more problems, right? But like, workers state, if we... A, a, a worker's state or a dictatorship of the proletariat literally just means a state which serves the interests of the proletariat. It doesn't mean that it's autocracy. It could be a democracy. It could be extremely democratic, more democratic than America. It could be a, 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 a liquid democracy, you know? But which, in reality, how, how well does that work out, right? Because you're giving, you're still giving the power to rule over a certain area, right? It's still a state in the sense of it's going to have a military, it's going to have, an, you know, state-run institutions, it's going to have all that. And that means giving power to the hands of a few and why would they incent be incentivized to look out for the workers when you know those who have more like i just don't understand like when you when you take when you revolution like let's say you have a revolution and you know you take the means of you seize the means of production like how would you form a worker state and who who gets to decide who isn't charge of that worker well, state the goal would be to, to make the decisions democratize the economy and then democratize. well i mean it, it's a democracy the person who would make the decision was the person who was elected right or the people who yeah, were yeah sure but how do you get there like who who decides who gets like who organizes the democracy i don't know, I don't know what you mean the bourgeois are overthrown and then a new constitution is chartered right i mean it, it, there's not like a one you don't like press a button and there's an instant transition and there are a million ways it could go down but like we have already made democracies from nothing we we wrote the constitution it's not a great document but it's probably better than what england was that's true the time. yeah so none. yeah it's 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 possible to like make these big shifts you just need the power to secure that transition we were able to do so back in 1776 because we were far away from England and we had a lot of, you know, we had a lot of patriots um, within our borders. And if we have, if we ever arrived at a point in a country where they felt they had sufficient internal and external support for a workers' revolution, or honestly, even for a peaceful power grab, if it was possible, that'd be yeah. ideal, I guess. Um, then they could ratify a new constitution which secures hands in the power of the working class. Uh, eliminates the bourgeois and so capitalism as we understand it. And then from that point forward, it's just a matter of securing the democratic processes to achieve socialism. Well, in that case, but that would be fine. But in the modern day, I just don't see how it's possible. Like the amount of nukes, you know, and the amount of military, militarized power the government has is insane. Like unless we can somehow get rid of all of that from the people in power, like how do we do that? Well, the goal would be democracy, right? I mean, we that's the thing. Like we can't war against the United States nobody could win against the united states the goal would yeah. be to slowly weaken the capitalists within our country to secure allies abroad and to eventually reach a point where a majority of the people within our country are supportive of radical propositions which uh destabilize or delegitimize the bourgeois if the bourgeois then retaliate with some attempted coup or like a worker or like a, a business plot as they attempted to back in the 1920s or whatever uh then in that case they are the aggressors and they are acting not necessarily okay. with the permission of the United States military. The military, all they have to do is step to the side as we finish the work, after all. The bourgeois on their own are what? How many hundreds? How many thousands of wealthy people? They're nothing compared to us, not in numbers. Well, if the military is sufficiently okay. sympathetic to the cause of the proletariat, then after that, it's just a matter of dealing with their antagonism, and then we win. But, like, you're still relying on... You're, you're saying you want to go through it, go about it through electoralism and, you know, democratizing... And like better policy passed that supports the interests of the working class, if I'm understanding correctly, it still relies on the willingness of politicians to cooperate. But how how can we do that, right? Because politicians. What do you are mean? What do you mean politicians cooperate? I mean politicians like seek to, to pass 
policies that are in the interest of the working class, right? In order to well, I would have like more democratizations. To. Yeah, but how is that really possible when you know they're more incentivized to serve the interests of the wealthy, right? They're they're receiving like the working class can't pay well, them as much as yeah, the super rich. That's the dialectic. Right? You move the general population further and further left, they vote in more left-leaning people, and as the antagonism grows more clear, the fact that we keep voting in left-leaning people, but it's the government keeps ignoring like the push towards the left, the greater that antagonism is, the more likely it is that we can take advantage of that for um, uh, adjective sentiment, that we can take advantage of that in some way. Um, I think reformism is only useful insofar as it's a tool that can radicalize the working class. But um, beyond that point, I don't think the bourgeois are going to give up their power willingly. It would be nice if they did, yeah, though. Of course. It's not impossible that they do. It is conceivable that they see the writing on the wall. They say, okay, fine. And they go build some island fortress to live on for the rest of their lives. That's not impossible. It would be nice if they did that. Um, yeah, of course. But right. Oh, well. But here's the thing, though. Like even then, like you need to stop lobbying, right? Because you're you're still relying on politicians serving like the interests of the people. Like let's say I vote in, you know, some politician who says that they're going to, um, like they're going to institute universal health care. They're going to establish a minimum wage, do all these like progressive policies. But in reality, they just don't do it, right? Because, like, how how would you ensure that they actually do what they say they're going to do? Because there's no incentive for them, because people who already have power, this relies on them giving up their power voluntarily to other people. I think it goes back to like a similar analogy, like when, when a person who owns a piece of land, like you can't just convince them to give the land to the people who live in it, right? Well, if there's a like, democratic process that secures the transition of power from one individual to another, you can defer to legal institutions to secure their removal. We're doing that with Trump right now. If Trump could, he would absolutely stay in office, but... The institutions, I mean, the institutions are stronger than him. And as long as we continue to secure those institutions, and as long as we use them to the best of our ability, there is headway that can be made electorally. For example, lobbying probably can't get rid of it entirely, but we can certainly legislate around it. There are things we can do, changes that we can make, and we know these are things we can make because there are European countries who are better at handling this stuff than we are. These changes are essential on the path towards revolution. So we, can, yeah. we should do what we can now and if we feel that that agitation is boiling up in the future, then then we can talk about. But, but you can only get so far through electoralism, right? Because yeah, of many course. of these European nations, like they're like they're passing policies. They're trying. There's parties that are actively trying to get rid of. Like I think you talked about this with who Denims, I think yesterday. But they're they're, they're actively trying to get rid of these progressive policies that they've already put forth. So <laughs> like Stockdem is just like a temporary, you know, positive change, which is just going to be reverted by those in power again. So, like, the only way you can do it is to somehow convince the politicians to be completely sympathetic to the working class. Somehow. Well, you don't, you don't convince the politicians. The further left you move the population, the more left-leaning people you can elect into office. Like, the, the, so there are limits of, to the, on the extent to which they can fuck with the system, you know? If every American, every single one of them, went ahead and voted for, like, who's, like, a super left-leaning, I don't know, Mike Ravel, some very, very left-leaning politician. Like, mm -hmm. they wouldn't just ignore that. Like, they can't just ignore that. They, the, the ruling class can't go like, uh, Jeb Bush, Jeb Bush won, woo! Like, it doesn't work that yeah. way. Our system does allow for some pushback from the working people. It's not great, but it's a little bit. 
Like, there are so many thousands, tens of thousands of people involved in this process, and you have to understand, the vast majority of the legwork is done by the proletariat. This is the case for the military, too. It may seem like people at the top are making decisions, but they stand atop a very tall and rickety ladder. In reality, most of the groundwork for anything done by the ruling class is actually laid by the tens of thousands of people beneath them, people sympathetic, hopefully, to the needs of the working class. And That's those fair. ruling class people know that. So if the public will is strong enough, change can happen. It's just a matter of pushing people in that direction. Okay, I mean, and I'm not, I don't disagree with you here. I just want to kind of play devil's advocate because, you know, I just want to convince, I'm kind of cognitively dissonant, as you might have seen this whole time. Like, I'm not even fully attached to a position. I just want to understand why I should commit all the way, right, to whatever ideology, mm -hmm. that, to any ideology, really. But, like, for, so let's say you're, you're saying that somehow the military should be sympathetic to the you know working people because otherwise if they turn against the people we're pretty much fucked so we need to somehow get the military sympathetic to our interests but what if like the government or whoever's in power sees whatever is happening right this antagonism and they try to you know push more like policies to maybe get them more sympathetic with the bourgeoisie right maybe increase the salaries of military people or you know, privileged people who work in the military. Yeah, over that's, other that's, people. that's a thing that's happened historically. Usually leaders, like especially back in the days of the monarchy, when they felt threatened, they would start upping the salaries of their private army. That's a pretty common thing. Even if it meant starving their population, the people who got fed were the soldiers. And the reason they did that is because they knew the angrier the peasantry got, the more they were going to need to rely on the soldiers not turning around and stabbing the king. That is a thing that has happened, and yet... Monarchies are mostly gone from the world. I think the fact remains yeah. that at this point, our economy and our society are decentralized enough that it would be very difficult to move the military in that way. A military man is not just the sum of their training. They went to school, they had friends, they have family, they got shipped off, and they may hold their opinions. The majority, by the way, of soldiers today voted for Biden, those soldiers who voted at least. Um, yeah, and that's surprising to me, actually. Police but, trend in favor of Trump, military in favor of Biden, for a bunch of really interesting reasons. But the, um, the, the point that I'm trying to make is that it is true that there are some people in the military, I'm sure, who could be swayed easily by that kind of cynical attempt at leveraging their power. I don't know how effective it would be, how reliably it would be effective, I mean, in the long term. I yeah. have some faith in the way our system works. And I mean, that's why I'm partly like, I know this might, this might seem kind of like a non-sequitur, but I'm, I'm pro-gun, right? I think that the state shouldn't have a monopoly on violence, even if there does exist a state. Mm -hmm. And like, I, I do believe like, of course, like a hundred people with, you know, even like AK-47s or whatever, they, they have no bearing on the U.S. military. And that's probably a common argument used by anti-gun people who, you know, who want to say, oh, like any, rev any attempt to shoot, you know, any government official is going to result in failure because the government has so much more power. But one thing that they don't realize is that like you have to somehow like use like how, let's think about it like so let's say like i was being assaulted by a police officer and i decide to shoot the officer like at that point like what use is the government's power if i'm just in a small inter individual interaction with some state agent like does that make sense yeah i well, kind of feel like the, the, a government is this a government is the sum of its parts it's true that there's no force on earth that could withstand the united states military so that remains the case but yeah, I just, I, I don't think it would ever come to that, frankly. Or at least, if handled well, I don't think it would come to that. Uh, I need to head and finish up donations before I have an appointment. Uh, are there any final memes that you want to hit on? 
I um, mean, no, of course, you know, I'll say trans rights. I'm, I'm very socially progressive. You know, I don't, I don't really like, yeah, I mean, I guess whatever other memes, um, thank you for the good talk. Uh, I'd like to say I'm hopefully good faith. I don't want to come off as like too like ideology or you whatever. You are called good faith and cap. So I mean, exactly. I call myself that for a reason, right? Um, I'm pretty sure the chat's, tro you know, me and me, it's, it's okay. Um, I'm pretty new to politics and stuff. I just, I saw NCAP ideology. I thought it was like pretty cool and I wanted to learn more about it. I thought it was really nice, but I don't know. I'm trying to, I'm, I'm kind of really cognitively dissonant. I'm, I'm leading. I, I don't know where I lean there now. I'm just trying to figure stuff out, but yeah, thank you very much. Of course. And I'm glad that we have a shared appreciation for freedom. Be well. Of course. Be well. Okay. That was a nice, nice kid. Can I say kid? That was kid, right? Yeah. I think that conversation went well.